everyone. Welcome to Pink Shade with Erin Martin, the podcast where we talk about all the shows we're addicted to, plus the reality stars we love, even when we're giving them the side eye. I dish on everything here from real housewives to real life cults and ghost stories. If you have some secrets to tell or some shade to throw, come sit next to me. Join my Facebook group, Pink Shade with Erin Martin, to talk to all of your new besties about all of the topics we love. We're over there dishing about 90 Day Fiance, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of New Jersey, serial killers, ghosts, cults, you name it. It's so much fun because your husband doesn't have to listen to you anymore droning on and on about all of the things you're obsessed with. Well, if you're anything like me. You're droning on and on to people who don't want to hear it, but we want to hear it. So come on over or follow me at Erin Leah Martin on Twitter or Instagram. Twitter is where I am most active. I'm always tweeting during shows. I am sharing any dirt I find. And of course, you can read my recaps on realitytea.com and catch me on the Jenny McCarthy show, Sirius XM channel 109 every week doing Real Housewives Roundup. But enough about that. I need to rant about 90 Day Fiance this week. I am still in a rage hangover about Luis. I'm going to get to him in a minute. And I said on my last episode, my last full episode, which was episode two, had a bonus episode between then and now, which was only about cults. But anyway, on episode two... I officially declared my hatred of Luis. Now, I hate to say I told you so. Well, I mean, who am I kidding? I love to say I told you so. I know I didn't tell any of you guys so. I'm just saying this to the world at large or any Luis defenders. But I told you so. This guy is an asshole. He is a raging asshole. He is the most manipulative prick that I've seen on any show since, stay with me here, Little Women LA, Matt Erickson, husband of Brianna Renee, or Brianna Renee. She likes to say it both ways. If you guys watch that show, the one with Tara Jolay, who used to be Joel until she got all fancy on us, then you know who Matt the dirtbag is. I think Luis is right up there with Matt Erickson. When it comes to, how do I put it, my desire to murder him, uh, if any government officials are listening to this, just doing some snark here. That isn't a real murder threat. But I fantasize about hurting guys like this. I really do have to admit that. Maybe that's my inner serial killer coming out. Hmm, I don't know. But Luis needs to be basically uh, taken out. I don't know. Anyone out there willing to maybe give him a good scare? I'd be up for that. I think he deserves it. Put a pin in that for a moment, though, because I'm going to do a quick rundown of the couples. And I mentioned on episode two that I do know pretty much all the spoilers out there, which kind of sucks. I wish I didn't know that. I wish I didn't know who got married and who doesn't. And if you guys know it out there, then you know the joy slash pain angst of also opening all your Christmas presents before Christmas morning. 
which I totally did as a child one year, and it ruined the entire experience for me. So I don't know why I still do this to myself, why I research and deep dive all these subjects online, and then I'm like, God dang it, I wish I didn't know this shit. But anyway, let's do a rundown. Nicole and Azin. All right. If you've been reading any kind of Reddit threads or if you've been a part of any private Facebook groups that are covering this stuff in detail, you've probably caught wind of the fact that Azan, Azin, I always get that wrong. Why is that? That Azin is kind of a grifter, which answers a lot of questions for me because I have been asking this for two years. What is this dude's long game? Why is he with Nicole, who he openly loathes? I mean, he has such a look of disgust on his face, and he freely accepts being body slammed into vans and pushed up against doorways and wears the look of an abused partner when she's railing against him, even though there's a full camera crew there. You know, who could step in and save him? He really kind of bows down to her at times, which is shocking. Yeah, I know he gets the Starbucks paychecks from her. Um, Is that really worth it? Apparently so, because Nicole, if you're going to believe any of the rumors out there, is only one of several women he is playing. And he, according to, again, lots of these threads, plays multiple women at a time, telling them that he loves them, he wants to marry them, essentially being a catfisher, right? And Nicole's the only one who, in addition to sending him money, which he gets these women to do all over the globe, she actually came to see him and brought a goddamn camera crew with her. So he then got featured on this show looking like he was interested in marrying her. This really, really makes sense to me, and I'm going to choose to believe this gossip because nothing else made sense to me. I mean, he was never truly in love with her. He tolerated her. He didn't seem like a child predator. Thank God, that poor little May, who Nicole please, 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 I beg of the universe that she's not May's primary caretaker, that her mother is back home because she does not know how to take care of that child. God, so annoying. But anyway, Azin didn't seem like he was in it to get to the kid, which I know is an awful dark theory, but you have to admit, you do question that about some of these guys. He didn't seem like that was his game. And I know there was chatter out there, you know, throwing the is he gay card around. I didn't get that vibe from him either. Even with his like little fancy side zip cardigans and uh, eggplant colored tight jeans. I think that's just him being European. Um, Not really European. You know what I mean. I'm ridiculous that I just called him European. But anyway, he's Middle Eastern. He's almost European though. He's in Morocco. That's a that's a much more cosmopolitan city, I think. Anyway, so he's fancy, sure. He likes to go to the gym. He likes to take, you know, shirtless selfies, which Nicole, of course, <laughs> fell for hook, line, and sinker. 
but I never got the gay vibe from him. I don't know. What do you guys think? Tell me, you know, join my Facebook group. Tell me what you think about that. Maybe I'm way off base. I think he truly is using women for money. And here's why. Because his family seems very suspect in all of this. His aunt who they were staying with, with who served Nicole the awesome sheep's head, which I love. And I also um, fondly think of the card game played in my neck of the woods, sheep head, when I saw that disgusting head on a plate. And it couldn't happen to a nicer person that a head of an animal was served straight up to her with a fork. Loved it. But his family seems oddly down for this little ploy. They, you know, as, as annoying as Nicole is and as abusive as she is to Azin, their family member, they seem to welcome her with open arms. They were taking care of May. They were taking care of May better than Nicole. Let's be honest. Azin's little sister or cousin or somebody was, you know, always painting her nails and being sweet to her while Nicole was outside stomping around and, you know, toppling vans with her bare hands like the fucking Hulk. That that makes sense to me. It makes sense that they would put up with this woman child just being a total shit show all of the time if they were getting some kind of financial compensation. And again, I don't think her Starbucks paychecks are really footing the bill for their entire lifestyles. But if Nicole is one of many, then that really adds up to me. What do you guys think? Let me know about this theory. It seems to hold water. All right, let's move on to David and Evelyn, New Hampshire's beigest couple. These two have zero chemistry to me. I mean, they have less chemistry than Ty, Annie, and David, who are the grossest in my estimation because of, because of Ty David, or I guess we can call him Kentucky David now. But New Hampshire David and Evelyn, they seem like they were forced to hold hands on the walk last night. This week's episode showed them standing by a bridge that uh, we all wanted to throw ourselves off of as we had to witness their awkward makeup talk about the sex conversation. And I am just baffled about what's going on with David here. Again, what's his long game? Why is he so anxious to get to Virginia, which he's treating like it's the Paris or Rome of the United States Eastern Seaboard? I don't understand that. I understand why he is not jazzed about living in Claremont. But why Virginia? Is it because he has a friend there? Is it because he's using Evelyn to get to a social network, his, his friends or a group of people who he really is here for? There's chatter out there that he has been talking to Evelyn, flirting with her, and possibly even hooking up with her. You know, hooking up for them means something different than the rest of the population. But that he's basically been contacting her online since she was 14 years old, which is sick because he's much older. And the fact that he is, what is he, 26, 27? I can never get it straight. I think 27. The fact that he's still a virgin, okay, that's fine. You know, I can accept that. But that he's so uncomfortable that he looks like he has the face of terror 
when someone brings up the subject of sex to him is really red flaggy, isn't it, you guys? I mean, I was really taken aback, too, when he said, I knew when I was 13 years old that I wanted to be a virgin until marriage. And then he hits up this 14-year-old girl online when he's in his 20s and saves himself for marriage to move to Claremont and then demand they move elsewhere and doesn't want to talk to her about sex. Also, I had a flashback of him on Skype with her in the first, second, or third episode, I don't know, early on, where he was saying, oh, I fantasize about the wedding night or I'm dreaming of our wedding night. And Evelyn was sitting there, I don't know, maybe in her Bill Cosby sweater, maybe not giggling and, you know, waving her, shaking her leather Tuscadero layered curls. And they were all giddy about being together. So what happened? What happened to him at 13 years old? I've seen some comments that he's showing signs of an abuse victim. And my heart goes out to him, if that's true. I've also seen the standard comments that he's not straight. I don't know what to say about that either. Maybe I just have no gaydar. I want to think I do, but hmm, I don't know. Maybe I don't because I don't necessarily see that in him either. And uh, you guys could be out there right now screaming, going, uh, yeah, Aaron, he's obviously not straight. But I just don't see it. I think there's something else weirder going on. But in any case, from one ex-cult member to another... David, you just signed up for your cult because him moving into that apartment eight houses away from the family band is the first step into the group. You never know you're joining one. Just want to give a shout out to how you get in one. David, they're keeping you close. It's called compound or communal living. And even if you're not in the same house, oh, you'll be sharing a lot including a tambourine that's going to put be put in your hand pretty soon because your ass is going to be part of that band whether you like it or not. That might be even scarier than sex with Evelyn. I don't know. Okay, moving on to Elizabeth and Andre. I loved the sister or the friend this week who refused to roll that damn R in Andre's name. I refused to roll it also because I am so sick of this dude. Controversial opinion here. I don't hate him. I really don't. And I don't think he's as scary as people are claiming. I think he's just kind of like a big lunk. And I do see chemistry between Libby and Andre in a way that I don't between Evelyn and David at all. And he just, he is who he is. Is he a misogynist pig? Yeah. You know, he he is. Would I ever, ever date him, marry him, or even, you know, chat with him online? No. No, 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 no. I'm not forgiving his character flaws. I'm not saying I'm attracted to any of that. But I don't think he is as hateable, nearly as hateable, as Luis, my number one. And nowhere close to Ty David, Kentucky David, whatever. He's nowhere close to him either. He's just, uh, what is he? 
he's just like a like a I don't know. I want to say Andre is the guy who makes Libby feel special because he's so Fifty Shades of Cray. I mean, he's just like that domineering kind of father figure that she she already has in a real dad who's who's an asshole, right? We saw him on camera. He is not a kind, gentle, emotionally connected person. So maybe she's just marrying her dad, except she's marrying her dad who's from Moldova and um, has a more traditional view of things. I think he is into getting a job. I think he is going to support her. I think she's going to live by his rules or divorce him. But he's certainly not making any bones about what he expects. And she loves to instigate the drama between her family and him. So she can just play that role for as long as it suits her. She's definitely part of this madness. It's not like he is using her and then turning into a different person. He's just being like the big lug of a person he is all along. I don't know. That's my take on that. And like I said, it, I might not be seeing something there and that might be controversial that I'm like, eh, just writing off the concerns that, you know, he possibly he's going to kill her. <laughs> I just don't see it. I let, I, the sneaky guys trigger, excuse me, trigger me way more, way more than Andre. He doesn't seem sneaky. Kind of like Anfisa and George back in the day. I wasn't too triggered by Anfisa either at first when everyone was hating her. Because I was like, you know what? That bitch is being honest. She's telling George, I'm marrying you for money. And if you don't have it, I will leave you. And mm, I don't know. Can't knock her hustle. Andre kind of strikes me as that same type. Just from a different part of the world. Ike and Josh the afterthought couple. Um, why are they on this season? I kind of want to know if they were brought in under the pretense that their situation or their relationship or their fights would be much juicier than they are because they kind of just suck. They're kind of just boring to me. I mean, I am just over the fertility vasectomy storylines. It's just been done over and over again, again on all reality TV shows. Housewives in particular. So it's not interesting to me. I mean, Josh's lack of upper teeth is definitely interesting to me. And I put out an APB last night on my Facebook group to see if anyone could catch a screenshot of an upper tooth. No one has found evidence of an upper tooth yet. I am going to still be on the lookout though. Um, it's a mystery to me, and it's probably the only thing worth watching when it comes to their scenes now. I just stare at his mouth. But that could be because I'm just so invested in the high drama of all of these couples that their pathetic drama of like, are you going to reverse your vasectomy? I'm 36 years old. My eggs are dying. It's like, well, mm, I don't know. We got bigger fish to fry. We have people like Annie and David and Molly and Luis to concern ourselves with. We have interventions to plan people. So let's just skip the hell past them. Except I need to give a shout out to that doctor who was maybe like the worst doctor ever to talk to a 36 year old woman. If that were my doctor telling me that I was basically some grandma, I would be so pissed. 
good job to Ica for not just bawling in that doctor's office. Anyway, I don't know where TLC found her. She was probably the most interesting thing about their scene. Let's move right along to Annie and David. He is the worst person ever. Maybe right under Luis, because I just can't let Luis lose that top spot of asshole. But David and Annie, to me, are oh, just so sad. I mean, living in that what looks like a prostitution flop house above the fire station, that is where all dreams go to die. And just the shady shit out there on the internet circling this couple is giving me total heebie-jeebies every time I see him and his weird moo-moo prison scrubs uh, Nosferatu bib overall. I don't even know what he's wearing. I don't even have the words for what he's wearing. I think it's one giant bolt of cloth that he got cut up into articles of fabric that he just drapes over himself. His drawstring pants, his penguin shape. Ugh, he's so gross. And now we find out his children hate him just as much as everybody else does. You know, on a serious note, his children really do appear to be adult children of an alcoholic, which I'm convinced David is. And it's just was it was kind of heartbreaking for me to watch that scene with Ashley and Jacob, his grown children, sitting at the table and reacting to him in very different ways, which is typical of adult children of uh, addicted households. You know, there are different roles in the family. And Ashley is definitely the rebel. And Jacob seems like the one who doesn't want to stir things up. So he is playing the role of the subservient good child, but is probably filled with a lot of rage over his father abandoning him, which it sounds like David basically abandoned the whole family, was a horrible husband to their mother, cheated on her multiple times, and the website out there, Fantasy Thailand, if you guys have looked at that, then you're going to know what I'm talking about next. There's a trailer video for this Fantasy Thailand business, which Chris and Nikki run. And they employ David, who goes by this whack job name of Tobo, who does a lot of dancing around with drinks and acting like a freaking fool. And they never really tell you what this business does. They just keep saying, we're going to make all your dreams come true. This is a fantasy Thailand experience. Basically, you travel there and then they take you on some kind of mission. It seems to me like this is straight up sex tourism. Now add to that Antonio, Nikki's brother, who has been all over the internet's ranting about Annie being a prostitute and David meeting her in, quote, a dick-sucking bar. She was called a bar girl, which is legal over there. It's not quite at the level of full-blown prostitute, but, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. And that Annie is just as shady as David. 
which again, kind of like the as in dirt, it makes sense to me because why would these seemingly sweet people be with these total nut job, gross humans unless there was something in it for them? Now we know Annie is poor. We saw her home. We saw her parents also demanding a dowry that David couldn't afford. And Chris seems to be fully supporting David because his kids sure as hell won't. They hate him. Which tells me that Chris and David are definitely in bed together somehow through shared secrets, through a shared shady enterprise, through financial ties that are not on the up and up, but there is something tying these two guys together other than, oh, we're just friends. Friends, don't let friends be this much of an asshole on reality television. Why would Nikki and Chris besmirch their good name if they had a good name to begin with? They're not on the up and up like they seem, although Nikki seems like kind of a kick-ass woman. She allegedly sort of is with Chris for the money. He was an ex-football pro. What? I had no idea until I looked at the video and I read their weird website, which is filled with typos, you guys. You have to go check it out. It's just messed up, but it makes sense. It makes sense. And that apartment above the firehouse, how the bed was slept in when they walked in, it looked like somewhere, you know, that human trafficking takes place. The whole thing is super skeevy, super, super skeevy. You guys go out there and do some digging. Look up Antonio Ticer. T-I-C-E-R, middle initial A. Look up his Facebook page to get some really good dirt. He goes on these 15, 20-minute rants. He answers questions from viewers. He's just losing his mind. I want him to have a spinoff show, Stat, with Nikki. Nikki can come along. Because he basically is telling the world the real deal. And I don't know. Maybe he's thirsty for fame, but he seems legit. I believe him. Because David could not have Smarmy written in any bigger letters all over him. And Annie and him meeting in a karaoke bar, mm, that seems a little suspect to me. You tell me, though. What do you think? Go take a look at Antonio's page and... Leave some comments uh, in the Facebook group and let's uncover the truth about this. Also, spoiler alert, apparently at the reunion, David goes off on Annie and wants to send her back to Thailand and even offers her $10,000 to do so (laughs) of Chris's money, I would assume. So I wonder if she is like threatening to come out with the truth, the truth of all of this dirt. It's just so juicy. Okay. I've saved the best for last, which is, of course, this week, Molly and Luis. Again, I have to say it. Luis is a piece of garbage. He is a predator. He's an immature man boy, and he is a user. He sets off every alarm bell in my body, and he has since the beginning, and I couldn't even explain it at first. I didn't like his little shit-eating grin. I don't like when he chuckles when he tries to get under the kid's skin. 
with his weird comments and his inappropriate behavior. I didn't like how he, in his interviews with the camera people, he would full, full out say, I don't like her children. They're annoying to me. I mean, what more do you need to hear as a mother? It's just disgusting to me. It is disgusting. And I have to blame Molly for introducing this total dirtbag into her children's lives. The example that these girls are watching fills me with rage. And the fact that she screwed her daughters over and she screwed herself over by being with this person just for this delusional idea of romance and how she wants to you know, show him the good times they had on vacation. Who the hell is vacation person all of the time? If my husband were with me because I was the same person he met when we went on vacation to our crappy little Mexico resort one year into our relationship, then 17 years later, he'd be sorely disappointed if he was expecting me to be that person every day of my life. Because the person you are on vacation at an all-inclusive resort is not who you are, typically. And you know Molly was down there just trolling the bars. And she is a fun person. She seems like an awesome person aside from her terrible decisions in men. And I'm sure that she was in this fantasy world when this Luis, this 26-year-old, is that how old he is? 26-year-old bartender was telling her, I make you my wife. I make you my wife. She was like, okay. She was in. But then reality is hitting her. So she has these 90 days. Thank you, United States government for at least giving these idiots 90 days to think about their terrible choices in life. And on day 86, 87, she's finally realizing, oh, Luis doesn't like my girls. Oh, what am I going to do? And then his batshit gaslighting that he did about her Pier 1 import statues and her scary candles. What was that? That was an example of what an immature, mean man does when you are calling him on his real bullshit. He, def- he deflects, he derails, he makes you feel like the crazy one. Look it up in the DSM, Psychology Journal, Psychiatry Journal. Ugh, what do I know? Anyway, look it up on the Google machine. A psychotic individual in relationships has a number one maneuver that they use, not a sociopath, a psychopath, where they make you feel like a crazy person while simultaneously never talking about their own shit. That's exactly what we saw last night with Molly and Luis. When she ran out of the room finally saying, you're making me crazy, and he laughed, that was because he accomplished exactly what he set out to do. He is going to make her feel like the crazy person because he is psychotic and manipulative. And again, if anyone out there is willing to give him a nice good scare, 
I'll pay you an undisclosed amount of money. How about we put it that way? Luis, you're the worst. Molly, God save you. All right, let's move along to Housewives. Real Housewives of Atlanta. I haven't gotten to dish about this yet on the podcast, and I know we're only four episodes in. I've spent a lot of time talking about OC ending and then New Jersey, but we got to get to our girls in Atlanta because they are, they always bring it, don't they? I know some people get annoyed with Atlanta because it's kind of overblown. It's really almost comic book drama at times, but I love them because unlike the Real Housewives of Orange County this last season, even when they hate each other, they all show up to film together. You know, they skip some parties here and there. They don't invite one person here and there, whatever. But for the most part, they will sit in those vans together. They will ride to the event and they will just give each other the side eye and engage in stilted conversation and talk shit behind each other's backs. And I love them for it. It's like they're a baseball team, and even if they hate their teammates, they know they're all on the same team and they can only win the game if they all get a bat and a mitt and get out on the field. So good for you, Real Housewives of Atlanta. You come to play, and I applaud you for it. O.C., Take a lesson from these women. This is why they bring in the viewers. Nini. Let's talk about Nini for a moment. I'm going to tell you my deep feelings about Nini Leakes, who is a controversial character and person. I love her. I love slash hate her, of course. Just like any good housewife, you have to love to hate them at times. And I do. I mean, I was not happy at all to hear about her totally going hard and inappropriately at that woman who came to her comedy show, how she made those comments about, I hope you get raped by your Uber driver on the way home. She thought it was comedy. Of course, we know it is not. But uh, I even hate to say this. I just tend to forgive her even the worst things she does because she is the number one housewife for me. I'm putting her above Bethany, above Lisa Vanderpump, above everyone when I say number one housewife. All franchises, all cities, all seasons. She has an ego and that is her Achilles heel. She's also a Sagittarius. And, okay, stay with me here, guys. I really think the housewives' sun signs have a lot to do with who they are, and maybe that's why I'm a little whack. I'm constantly looking at their horoscopes and thinking like, oh, my God, Luann's a Taurus? Oh, that totally makes sense. Bethany's a Scorpio. Vicky's an Aries. I mean, ask me the sun signs of any housewife. I will tell you, I'm crazy like that. I'm a Sagittarius too. Sonia Morgan's a Sagittarius. Now, Sagittarians can vary wildly, but they hold one thing in common. Their downfall is their mouth. 
and they're also unorganized. I'm raising my hand to both of those. Uh, if I were in charge of running <laughs> anything very large and complicated, I would have great ideas maybe like our lady Tremont Morgan, Sonia Tremont Morgan. Maybe you want to sell a toaster oven or two. I'd probably pose for the pictures and then it would all fall apart. Nini has high hopes too. It's one of the luckiest signs in the Zodiac, which is funny because <laughs> they can just blow up disastrously, even with their good luck. And they tend to say stuff without thinking first. Now, Sonia is the sweet, kind, more vulnerable Sagittarius. Nini is the out there, loud and proud kind. I don't know what I am. I'm the kind who can't stop saying what I think about people, which is probably my problem. Um, but Nini, I don't know. Her snark, it just warms my heart. It warms my snarky reality TV recapper heart. I think she is hilarious, and a lot of people do. And I mean, don't you just love her one-liners? Some people are over her. Some people are over her in the same way they're over Bethany, and I totally get it because as funny as these chicks are and as biting as their commentary is and the larger-than-life personas they have, they, their egos take over, and it's like they think they're in on the joke and they know how much we love them or loved them at one point, and it ruins it for us. That's happened with a lot of viewers when it comes to Bethany. That's happened with a lot of viewers when it's come to Nini. It has not happened for me yet. It has definitely lessened my love for them at times. Like when Nini thinks she's too good for the show, I want to slap her. And when Bethany thinks she's too good for everyone, I want to dropkick her too. But when they're on the show and they're really in it, they're really fighting with people and like Nini's bun is falling off and she's still yelling at Portia, roll your tape, roll your tape. And she's screaming at her the whole way out the elevator. The door is closed. I just can't get enough of it. Num, num, yum, 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 yum. I just eat it up. It's just fantastic. I mean, contrast that to, let's say... Peggy, worst housewife of the year. She gets the Razzie Award. Peggy from OC, who had no good lines, who was as unfunny as they come, and just never got in in the way she should have. She tried to at the end. It was so pathetic when she was like trying to record people with her iPhone and then getting her words twisted and not even really able to engage in a proper fight. You know, Peggy doesn't have what it takes. She doesn't have that fire. Nini has it, and I don't know, man. This might all come back to haunt me, but I love her on Atlanta, and I didn't like the seasons where she wasn't on. I mean, Kim Fields? No. Mm-mm. Nope. Move on. I love you, Tootie, but you did not belong on Atlanta. We know that Portia and Nini end up being fine, 
Um, Portia has basically alluded to this in really recent interviews in the past couple of weeks. So this initial drama they have is going to pass. Nini is cuckoo for saying, I never said you wanted fi- I wanted you fired. Of course she said that, basically. But I think that she and Portia just get over it. The real drama this season is truly between Kenya and everybody else. Maybe with the exception of Cynthia, who is her ride or die for some reason. Cynthia's presence on this show continues to baffle me. Maybe they keep her on because she is this loyal soldier for certain people. Maybe they kept her on because of the Peter drama, which was not even dramatic. It was just, ugh, just kind of boring after a while. I mean, she had her fight with Nini. Who cares? And now she's, you know, Kenya's sidekick. So she's also beautiful, and I love her style most of the time. So, all right, you know, keep her, I guess. Portia is a hard hitter. She's a special kind of stupid, and I dig it most of the time. It can get exhausting. She also seems like she comes to play, and she's just delusional enough about her part in things that she makes for a a crazy housewife. Candy, I mean, she's always going to be a heavy hitter. She, I wish she would get in the middle more and not just roll her eyes and think she's too good for things sometimes. I wish she would get into it because there's nothing I love more than Candy going all like high crying voice fighting with people. I mean, those are the gifts we wait for. And Marlo should be holding a peach. To me, at this point, Marlo should be a housewife. I don't understand why there's resistance to that. She needs to be a full-time cast member. Kim back this year. I'm here for it. I want to see what happens. I mean, we've heard already rumors out there that Kim doesn't go on the cast trip to Spain because Kenya basically just screams at producers that she is not going to put up with this chick on a trip. So Kim is held back. Of course, she lies about it on social media and says she didn't go because of filming Tardy for the Party. Whatever. And then Kenya doesn't go at the last minute because she gets into it with Marlo at the airport. I've said this many, many, many times. Kenya might be not long for this franchise, which kind of makes me sad because I think she can really bring it too, and she is delusional in so many ways, and I am also questioning the marriage, and I want her to be on because she is just messy as hell. And that's what makes for great TV. But mm, there's rumors out there that production is not happy with her. They're not happy with how she's hiding her husband. They're not happy with how she played this season, how she played this hand of the mystery, yet yet wanted to fight with all the women when they questioned the mystery. And I understand it. You know, I understand production's perspective on this, but, oh, Kenya, I don't know. Don't leave us, girl. We're not ready for you to go. I'm not ready for you to go. Some people might be. I get it. And lastly, Sheree. Sheree back with the prison bay. I want to know more. I've already read a lot online, and I have done some digging around. If you just type in Sheree Prison Bay, 
B-A-E to Google, you would come up with like a thousand articles about this dude. I want to know the deeper dirt. I want to know, did he really finance some of Chateau Charest? The exact same time he got caught in financial fraud and was sent to jail or was incarcerated, as Charest, the fancy girlfriend, likes to say, the exact same time that happened to Tyrone, Chateau Charest was put on hold. How did she get the money for that in the first place? I think Nini knows. And that's why I love Nini. Because again, she's a Sagittarius. She can't help herself. She's going to say it. She's going to spill it. She's going to regret it later, maybe. Maybe not. She knows some dirt on Tyrone because she did deal with him. And that's what Sheree and Nini fought about back in the day. I think he helped Sheree finance Chateau Sheree. I think when he went to jail, a lot of the investments, including what was put into her house, were frozen. Assets were not available. And she had to halt building that place for what? Oh my God, you guys, what was it, like five years? It's all connected to Tyrone. Do some digging. The internet is your friend. You are going to put the pieces together, as am I. I feel it in my bones. He is somehow tied up with that house. I think she brought Bob Whitfield on last year just to have a storyline. I never think they were going to get back together. And when the abuse came out, the you know him talking about abusing her in the past, I think that's legitimate. I believe her, of course. I think that gave her a storyline this year. And word on Mama Joyce's streets is she was none too happy when production found out that she had been with Tyrone and that she had to use it in a storyline this year. But she had to because, of course, they found out. She's been with him much longer than she's claiming on the show. Much longer. It could be years and years now. It could be all the way back from before he went to jail. Because, again, there's something there. I just don't know exactly what it is yet, but between you, me, and the Google, oh, we're going to find out. Until next time on Pink Shade, let's go dirt digging together. Join me on the private Facebook group, Pink Shade with Erin Martin. Follow me at Erin Leah Martin on Twitter and Instagram. Go over to Reality Tea, take a look at my recaps, 90 Day Fiance, Real Housewives of New Jersey. That's what I'm covering these days. And catch me on Jenny McCarthy's Sirius XM Channel 109 for Real Housewives Roundup every week. Also, check out Jenny's show this week, 90 Day Fiance Darcy, Before the 90 Days Woman. She is going to be on. And Amazon Paul is coming on in a few weeks, you guys. I can't wait. I'll see you soon out there in reality. Bye.